Okay, I've got another Irishman with me for episode is eleven now. Um, this time it's not your typical road cyclist. I've got a um, mountain biker with me, enduro rider from Ireland, Greg Callahan. And yesterday you had the enduro as nations uh, as your season finished. So I can imagine today a bit of a sore head after the party last night, was it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was a bit of a late night last night. Um, not doing too bad. I actually managed to get a dip in the sea and sit in the sun this morning, so that kind of cleared me out. But uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on, and yeah, cool to be uh, you know chatting to someone from different sport and get different perspectives. Yeah, I've a lot of admiration for you guys because I've seen uh, mountain bikers, downhillers, enduro guys. It doesn't matter what you guys ride, be it a motocross bike or um, trials, you guys are so handy. <laughs> you really can <laughs> school us off road. So us guys are meant to be the guys. That, yeah, we've got we uh, have this covered. We're motor bike riders, and then we go ride trials together, and you kick our asses. <laughs> You really have a, such a um, you know a good feel for for a bike and something that a lot of us road racers don't have actually. You'd be surprised to know a lot of the guys that can ride at two hundred miles per hour. You make them go ten miles an hour and they're just rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's my yeah, It's interesting actually. But say it like flip it the other way. I I would not be comfortable at two hundred miles an hour. <laughs> I no, <laughs> wouldn't go well for me. Right, you don't know until you try it. True. Yeah, I never tried it, but uh, I'd like to. But yeah, well, I don't think I'd be hitting two hundred. <laughs> yeah. So um, you were saying. The next event for you, this is starting your off-season from today, and you're lining up the, the Scott Trial, which is uh, a serious undertaking, but something that you've done before. It's one thing that's definitely on my bucket list, but I don't think I'd be able to finish it. Or you, you've always made the finish line, haven't you? Yeah, so I've done it twice now with my dad. Um, did it last year, and then a couple of years before that. And yeah, it's hard. Like It's a character-building day out. It's, yeah, I think it's about 120, 130 kilometres, wow. fully off-road takes both times it's taken me seven and a half hours flat out you stop for fuel and that's it or you stop because you're off the bike <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then everyone wasn't gonna do it like i bought a new motocross bike to start this uh, off season and i've been riding that much like loads this year so the trials bikes kind of had a bit of a back seat and pretty much haven't touched like i've ridden the trials bike i'd say four or five times since last week's got trial and then last week <coughs> my dad realized that the entries aren't full for the scott <laughs> so he just messaged me I think he was going to joke and like oh like look at this and uh, yeah he was like ah oh, strip on let's do it let's go and uh, yeah I didn't actually I just committed to I didn't give it any thought I just said yeah why not let's go and then realised it's actually in like 10 days <laughs> I thought it was like a month away and I'd come home from this race and be like yeah grand I'll get like three weeks you know and by the time it comes I'll be well able for it and I've now realised that like bike's nowhere near ready like that needs a lot of work I need to ride it I need to get back into trials so I might regret it, but I always say, if nothing else, is a day out, so... Ah, that's the Irish attitude, though, isn't it? Sure yeah. to be grand. Exactly. What's the worst that could happen? Exactly, yeah. That's a Paddy Irishman, I'll never be, be dead. Exactly. That's Paddy preparation. Yeah. <laughs> Why not give it a good go? Yeah. You don't but, forget the things you don't do, so... Yeah. yeah. One of these days, I'll get round to it. Yeah. So your season uh, has been similar to mine, when we look at it. It's been a bit mm. uh, injury-ridden, unfortunately, and you've got even less races in your calendar than me, so whenever you get an injury, it really does hurt your season, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, we were actually injured at the same time, so very similar seasons. Um, yeah, it's been, it's just been one of those years where, like, it's just been a year of almost, I'm just finishing races, saying, oh, next time. Um, like, even the first race, like, was going well, I was pushing for a top five, and then just crashed. Bruised a couple of ribs and bruised my liver, and then we had a race the next week, so that affected that. And then I missed the third race because I broke my foot. And then <clears throat> got back on again, but struggled to get back to speed. And then the speed did come, but then I get punctures. And yeah, 
it's just just been one of those years. Like even yesterday, the Trophy of Nations, um, we're riding as Team Ireland, and like I was, I had the best race I've had all year. Like a pretty much all my stages were top ten, she top five stages, but part of my bike broke, so I had to change that, and that was a five minute penalty. Wow. So that's the end of that. Like you're not gonna recover from a five minute penalty. Oh, that is shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Like, cause I, I know that I've had the speed and I know I've been doing everything right, but then on you go and look at the results and it's like. Yeah, um, but yeah, you just have to keep keep plugging away, don't you? Now I saw some of the the runs that you guys did, and uh, you were first, and then um, the other two guys followed you. Your, your cousin mm. Killian as yeah. well in the team, so that must be pretty cool. Uh, riding for Ireland and yeah. riding for the Callahans. Yeah, yeah, it was class. It's like totally new format. Well, they used to do it back in the day, but it's a new format. How we race as a team, and you're allowed to ride on track together, so you can decide yourself if you leave a gap where you follow each other. So we said, right, I'll lead it out. Yeah. boys can follow and just tow it on and uh, yeah it was classic and they're shouting at each other and like <laughs> stage two like I was on the limit and then Keelan would be shouting at me and I was just like oh my god he wants more really and you just you're just pushing to another level another level because you think you're holding up the guy behind you even though he's you know he's on the limit as well like um, and yeah the crack was just unreal it was class and it was yeah it kind of made me realise actually the buzz you guys must get riding around all together especially with like a full grid of guys yeah because um, our racing is usually against the clocks here alone and just having someone behind you or in front of you or whatever just adds so much to it you know it makes it so much more exciting I think. and was there quite a few Irish fans over as well <coughs> shouting support yeah loads actually yes quite a lot of uh, my family was over a lot of Keelan's family was over and then there was a lot of other Irish guys racing the amateur races and stuff so yeah it was packed like felt in a way it kind of felt like a home race because it was just Irish flags everywhere that must be special. We don't have that in our sport. There is the motocross these nations, and then what you guys have as well uh, the enduro enduro uh, nations too. Mm. I don't know how they would do it in our sport though, because the problem is uh, our bikes. You know, how do you convince yeah. the manufacturers to provide it? But one day that yeah, would be exactly. such a cool experience to, to ride for your country and yeah. all ride together. Interesting. Yeah, it'd be cool, wouldn't it, to see? Because you'd, you'd be on the track with the other teams, like say motocross. It would be that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did uh, have a well. I say we did, but. It was one called Moto One about fifteen years ago, an event they did at Donington Park where they did uh, a road race on some stock bikes, a motocross race. I think there was a supermoto as well and a trial. And you kind of everybody did these different events. Guys like David Knight was an enduro rider and some motocrossers and road racers. And um, then I don't know who won overall then, but they only did it a few years. I don't know if boys were wrecking themselves or, <laughs> or what. But I thought oh, great to that was such a cool event. But. Um, probably you guys would be as handy as anybody at that because like I said mm. mountain bikers you guys seem to be able to take to any form of two wheels and be faster than us I remember 15 years ago when there was a craze back home of all these little mini motocross bikes oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and we would all think that we, uh, yeah we grew up doing motocross now we're road racing we'll be pretty handy at this and uh, I remember going to these events and it wasn't motocrossers that were winning them, it was uh, mountain bikers. No way. Because I thought it would have been Glen O'Brien and Ben Reid and stuff. Yeah, that's what it was. Ben Reid was on it. And because I think it is because with motocrossers, a bit more scrappy. You go into a berm and you just doze it, and then you've always got the throttle just to pull you out of it. Yeah. Whereas mountain bikers, you have to be so precise. So on little yeah. mini bikes, you guys were, were inch perfect and uh, mm. kicking our asses. That's interesting, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, as you say, we don't have the engine. So like, if we lose our speed, it's very hard to get it back. So you have to just do your best to hang on to it. Yeah. But you, um, going back to the start of your career, mm -hmm. when you were a kid, uh, you grew up knowing motorbikes as well because your your dad was a pretty keen trials rider too, wasn't he, Stan? Yeah, yeah, like trials in my family is really big. 
um, all my uncles, even a few aunties have done it over the years. Granny, granddad all did it. Really? Like, yeah, I was basically born on a bike. Um, and my dad switched when he was, what, like 17, 18? He switched to enduro, motorbike enduro. And uh, so like, I grew up going races in vans, going watching him race, thinking I was helping him. I was probably more just in the way <laughs> as a kid. Um, so yeah, I've just always watched racing and just loved muck and bikes, two wheels, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's been, that's a big part of my background. And I would have always actually wanted to go into motorbikes, but I think it was just too expensive for my dad or for everyone really. Um, so I did trials. Um, I think I started trials when I was 8 till I was about 15, 16 and then I could only go out to the trials like when my dad would take me so I just started going to local jumps on my like, bike that I rode to school <laughs> met some friends there they said oh you should go up to mountains try mountain biking and that was it I was just hooked straight away so I had my freedom I could just take my bike and go whenever I wanted and I think that was a big part of it for me yeah that's the beauty of um, riding your bike as opposed to trials and all the rest because it's got stricter back home you're not able to yeah, just course, go yeah. out on the hillsides and you're gonna get a hefty fine <laughs> if you go and do yeah. that yeah if, i feel like it's loosened up down anyway, anyway it's loosened up a bit now because i don't know i feel like people are more open-minded like i remember when i started mountain biking you get hassle from walkers and people just didn't want you on the hills and even now like i go out and ride trials and you see people and i think trials especially because of the open face helmet they can see you smile at them and stuff um and you kind of you know you get chat to people and they might just ask you what you're up to um, now and again you get the old goofy lads but yeah, <laughs> you get them everywhere <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter where you go <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but uh, back home in Northern Ireland um, I've, a lot of my friends were doing mountain biking uh, back we're looking nearly 10 years ago and they're always at me and I come out mountain biking but we didn't really have anywhere to ride mm. and then I left uh, Northern Ireland at the end of 2012 to, to come and live down this way and then lo and behold in 2013 then the government only gone put in a few million to make all these bloody trails yeah. so as soon as I left the country then they've got some of the best trails uh, there's Ross Trevor across the, well it's actually across the border and mm. um, one near us as well Dava and it's absolutely brilliant and yeah. mountain biking back home is the popularity is just going through the roof now yeah it's insane it's huge like my local hill Three Rock which just overlooks the city like it, as I say I used to go up there and get hassle from walkers and now you go up and on the front of the hill, there's official government trails, there's a cafe there, bike rental, every, like just bikes everywhere. And on the back of the hill, beside Johnny Fox's pub, there was an old golf course. And that went out of business, so they turned into a bike park. What? And that's now like an upliftable official bike park. So like all of a sudden on one hill, there's two places to ride your bike. Um, and yeah, pretty much everywhere you go, there's just trails and people are just open to it. And, yeah, it's, it's so cool to see. I think a big part of it was maybe the Irish EWS we had for three years. Because I think that showed the sport to a lot of people who never would have seen it. Because, uh, yeah, like that event was just amazing. The crowds were huge. The atmosphere was amazing. So, like, everything that went out in the media with it and stuff just would hook you in. It would really sell it and like it to you. I think, I think it did. Nice. So. It is so accessible. Um, yeah. A lot of the guys that I grew up doing motocross with are now uh, competing back home mountain mm. biking because uh, they realise, God, this... For one thing, uh, the financial side is a lot more yeah, uh, yeah. financially friendly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all these parks back home, uh, it just means that you can practice all the time and then go and go and compete and have fun. Yeah. I would like to say get bust up less, but then judging by this year, you still yeah. get injured as much, right? Eh? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I think you can get hurt doing anything, can't you? That's um, the attitude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what, yeah. Like people always say, like, oh, it's so dangerous what you do. And you're like, but how many people get 
you know, killed from crossing the street and getting hit by a car or a bus or whatever. Or, you know, everything's dangerous. So yeah, you know, so enjoy whatever you're doing. Ah, we're here for a, a good time, aren't we? Not a exactly. long time. That's the one. <laughs> but um, you made the transition across from uh, motorbikes mm. um, to, to riding mountain biking then. Um, your dad had been ra racing trials and could well, say racing, competing uh, in trials. I would yeah. say racing trials when <laughs> hey, you don't exactly race each other. It's a same oh, sort of you know, thing. When you see him in a section now, he has a bit of speed now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think he was racing. <laughs> Yeah, um, and that was before the, the mountain biking boom then. So mm -hmm. whenever you were at school uh, and you were telling the guys you were going out mountain biking, were you able to coax anybody else into it? or was Yeah, that, yeah. it's funny you say that actually because like, my teachers used to just hate it because like, I, I wasn't in school at all. Like, school wasn't for me. I was just kind of there to get it done. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like everyone in school would be just playing football or doing all the usual stuff and I was just the kind of outsider on my mountain bike and yeah. I was the weirdo. And now like, I'll bump into people in, from school and I was like, oh, you still still doing the bikes are you yeah now, on the weekends you know yeah do a bit um so it's mad to see now like or even people who then would have you know slag my bike whatever you might see them out on the bike now because people realize actually how good it is um and yeah there was there is a few like definitely there's a few people from the school that uh are biking actually my mechanic now kieran he's new for this year uh he went to my school oh really pretty cool yeah so he's just from down the road from me but actually i never knew him until he applied for the job this year so he was a couple of years below me um but yeah, it's a bit of a small world actually. Yeah, it wasn't anywhere near mainstream back then. And, um, you know, I've only started watching mountain bike the last lot of years. First uh, downhill and now with enduro uh, becoming so popular now that it's part of the UCI calendar as well. It's um, yeah. on our radar. But I didn't know about it in the, the noughties. And even there was a guy a couple of years ago that I went mountain biking uh, around where, where I live in, in Monaco. And he, he joined us for the day mountain biking. And he said, yeah, yeah, just to... Uh, uh, Martin bike down there. Oh wow, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I just knew him as Nicholas, and uh, it it is a brace on his wrist, and said, "What happened? Yeah, yeah, some injuries." And so I give him the, the usual questions. So are you any good? Yeah, I was world <laughs> champion this number of times and all the rest. And then he went on to explain that yeah, then he did some rally and all the rest. And I was thinking, yeah. I, I feel bad. I don't know this guy. So either this guy <laughs> is the most humble legend yeah. or he's just got a hell of an imagination and he's just <laughs> <laughs> making this up yeah, yeah. and sure enough it was, reality. <laughs> yeah and of course you know him talking about the yeah, Nico Williams, yeah of course yeah uh, yeah of course uh, he was a, a legend but i just wasn't aware of him because mm. the sport wasn't mainstream back then i would yeah. know of a like the british guy uh, steve pete because yeah. he would have been um, on the news and I would have seen his name, but I didn't know about uh, a guy like nicholas so he was telling me about what he achieved and he was so humble but that's what I do like about your sport. A lot of the guys, they're mm. not, they don't, even fans don't put the, the riders on a pedestal. They'll, a guy will win, be it in enduro or downhill, and the fans will be high-fiving them, patting them in the back, but mm. they, they won't exactly be trembling and shaking yeah. uh, upon meeting them because uh, I think the fans are more, it's more of a grassroots sport, isn't it? Yeah, kind of, and that's that's a really good part of the sport is how accessible it is. Like, we race this weekend, our Enduro Nations and uh, there's amateur racing as well so they did like an industry race Yeah. so if you wanted your mechanics could have a team together or your family anyone you could just a team of three people do the race and it was the same course same day just different classification and that's the cool thing like you're out there racing with people who are working 9 to 5s and they can compare directly to us and they can you know we're practicing on the tracks together so you're seeing each other you chat to each other and it's it's a really cool vibe. It's a cool atmosphere that it's that accessible, and even even the sportsmanship between the riders is really cool. Like, two of my best friends are the guys I'm racing against, 
and there's pretty much no rivalries in the sport. Like everyone is friends, and everyone's happy to see people do well. And it's a real kind of you know made a best man win kind of attitude because it's really us against the trails and the clock. So there's no you know there's no head to head racing like you guys might have. And there's no mind games or any of that stuff. It's just go out and do your best and. You know, if someone wins, you're happy for them. If you don't, it's just because you weren't good enough. It's not because they, you know, did them to you. Ah, that's the the free sports mentality. I do find that yeah. it's uh, the guys there is such a nice camaraderie there, mm. and you guys all appear to be that you really are doing it for the love of it. And then some mm. somebody comes along and they're willing to pay you to do it. And you say, oh, that's great." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, like yeah, I raced as a privateer, so like I went from all the money I earned was going into biking. And then you're sitting down having meetings with people and you're telling them to give you money and you're just like, oh my God, like, is this actually happening? Like, I'm actually going to get money from this, not just lose all the money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if I never went pro and I'd still be riding my bike, you know, four or five times a week. I'd be racing on the weekends and yeah, we just we love it. Like, yeah, that's not going to change anything. Yeah, so you mentioned there whenever you started out, uh, it was a tough old road to where mm. you're riding now. You know, you're sat here. You've got a great sponsor like uh, Red Bull behind you, mm. but it wasn't too long ago then uh, it was a struggle. So, what was it? Seven seasons now uh, that <coughs> enduro has been in the calendar. It's a fairly yeah. new sport. It's in its infancy, yeah, yeah. and um, you got involved um, early on then, sort of at the right time. But mm. I can imagine it, it was pretty tough back then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the like guy was at the first EWS in Punta Island in Italy seven years ago. Uh, it's crazy to see how much has changed since then. Like it's, you know, but there was like someone posted a photo album of riders on their bikes from that race the other day, and uh, it's crazy. Like everyone just looks like they don't know what they're doing. You know, the kits look terrible, the geometry of the bikes and everything has come so far. So it's just, you know, you look at the photos and you're just like, did we actually ride those bikes at those speeds? Like it's mad. Um, and yeah, for me, like yeah, like I raced the first two years privateer. So I raced. I started in trials to go back even further, and then when I was fifteen, started racing downhill. Oh, you did first do downhill then? Yeah, I did downhill first, because at the time, actually, enduro wasn't a yeah. thing. So I used to race downhill and just ride my enduro bike all the time. Or, yeah, I guess it was called a cross-country bike at the time, but <laughs> it wasn't really. And, yeah, I just hopped on my downhill bike for races. And I, kinda, I didn't take it that seriously, I just kind of did it as, you know, I was, I was good, but not. I didn't really see a career in it, maybe. And then enduro came along, and I did the first one in Ireland, and I was just like, yep, this is exactly what I want to do. Like, this is what I'm doing anyway. So the fact there was a sport there was just perfect fit and straight away I was like right I'm gonna make a proper go of this and try to make a career out of it and just try to get to a good level of it um, and yeah it's just been building 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 since then so I did two years of the full egress as a privateer living in a van full gypsy life wow. showering in bike washes showering in bike washes yeah 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 like we used to you'd go to a bike park or something to train for the week and you'd find a spot in the car park and you'd be like oh brilliant there's a bike wash that means we can wash the bikes we eat water for the pasta wash the dishes we can have a shower <laughs> like that was just what we did you know you just you were living on a shoestring so you had to and uh yeah there was even times i remember going back there was an italian race and i basically i had to get prize money to drive home if i didn't it was like well, to find a job or something here because I, my dad had given me everything he could give me i'd spent all my own money like that was it and uh it was actually it was a cool format that one is a pursuit race so you're head to head on the last stage and if you pass the guy ahead you win the race and i was right behind him about to pass for the win uh, italian guy and i had a massive crash <laughs> so i ended up second and it was more good than just the money that cost me um, like it was all i think it was like 300 for the win and 150 for second or something and that extra 150 was, diesel was money. enough to get diesel in the van so then we left the race drove down the valley and the brakes went the brake pads went down to the metal 
and I had to drive all the way home from the Alps with no like brake pads on the metal in the van. <laughs> you just back shifted <laughs> and then yeah, the first back, gear. Got back and just parked the van up and was like, right, I'll have money in a few months maybe to fix that. Cool. <laughs> so uh, yeah, times definitely changed. It was actually around that time that I was negotiating the program track, so it was uh, it was quite surreal actually to be dealing with those problems while having options on the table for the following season. Wow, that's that's tough going. That really is uh, yeah. just living from one day to the next. Then I can't yeah, imagine that's... that. Was it, yeah. it was uh, it was mad, but at the same, like I'm so glad I did it that way <coughs> because it taught me so much and it made me appreciate how good I have it now, and it taught me a lot about how to approach racing, how to how lucky we are, you know, to be able to do this as a job. And uh, yeah, like definitely, I look back on those times and it was some of the best times because. You were just free, like you know. You just you'd finish a race on a Sunday, and you'd be racing the following weekend. We'd be like, right, where are we going now? And you'd just pick a valley, pick a mountain, pick a bike park, drive there, park up, and that was home for the week. So you know, you didn't really have any other commitments. It was just bouncing around from race to race. So yeah, were definitely good times. There was always a crew of us as well. There was usually probably five or six vans. We'd all travel around together from Ireland, UK, whatever. Yeah. You'd all just be at this partying convoy of vans, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was class crack. I loved it. You guys still do a bit of that now then because uh, I know you were at Dornoland, a track near mm. to Milan last Monday. And I've been there before at Dornoland and uh, a lot of mountain bikers have turned up as well mm. just to come from a race in Switzerland and they bring their motocross bikes and go and ride. Yeah. And that's a, that's a nice attitude to have. Just You've just uh, done your day job on the Sunday and yeah. then the first thing you want to do is get out on a bike again on Monday because you love it. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Like that was... Yeah, that was a great day in Dorna. Um, the setup they have there is so good. Like, you just rock up in your normal clothes. They, you rent the bike, the gear, everything. So it's pretty effortless for us to go there. And, uh, yeah, there was 15 of us mountain bikers there. <laughs> so obviously it got competitive, like we started doing. We were on the amateur track. We were riding boat tracks, but then we started doing time laps on the amateur track. <laughs> and, yeah, it started getting pretty heated. <laughs> but, like, it's all just friendly competition. It's a bunch of mates, you know. and We're just out there messing together, playing. and Yeah, it's cool that, you know, you're racing each other on a Sunday. Seriously, and... You're having a crack with that as well, and then on the Monday you go out with a bunch of friends and just do whatever and hang out. Yeah, it's really cool. I think as well, like a lot of that camaraderie comes from because we'll spend, like during need of you'll spend probably eight hours on the bike, right? And those eight hours you're riding with your competitors, so you're gonna have to get on, or else it'll be a long day. And yeah, you know, you just chat about, you know, you might be climbing up a hill for two hours together, so you'll chat about all sorts of things and get to know each other and you know keep spirits high. There's even like this one guy he rides around with uh, a speaker attached to his like his, his hip so he has the tunes going like and he kind of keeps the vibes vibes up and all that <laughs> so uh, yeah it's definitely like it's a professional sport but it's you know it's pretty chill as well it's cool yeah, they keep the, the fun side of it exactly. uh, there definitely is a fun element there you can you can see and like you just said where all the guys get on so well you always see it whenever a guy comes across the line in uh, in Giro and they're looking at the clock and then yeah. the guy's won and every one of his rivals uh, come around exactly. throw him up in the air to, to congratulate him yeah because yeah. they know that feeling yeah uh, exactly yeah. and you want the best for your friends like, and at the same time like we're all fans of all kinds of sports and especially our own sport so like if you have a problem on stage one you're out of the race you're still actually someone who's winning I wonder what's going on at the front and you pay attention to it so you know you're still an excited fan sitting at the finish line watching the boys come in which is cool and your first uh, win then, of all places, through a good game mm. in Ireland, that must have been something special. That's back in uh, 2015. Going into that event, <coughs> uh, had you any idea that you could uh, challenge to win? Uh, quietly, yeah. Like, it's mad thinking, like, my hair stands up when I think of that day. Like, it's 
It was such a surreal day. And like I'd had top tens the previous to that and it was my it was my second race as a professional. So right. I just signed a QB at one race in New Zealand and then we came to Wicklow. And I remember people saying to me, like, oh, do you think you could maybe get a top five, top ten? And oh, imagine you got a podium. Like, imagine that. Would that be unreal? At home. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that'd be mad. But quietly, I was like, you know, I'm not that far off. Because, like, with, with coaching stuff, we plan everything. And we kind of, we do a lot of analysis to see how far you are from actually winning races. And when you break it down, you could be finishing tenth, but you could only be three or four percent from the first guy. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's achievable. And, uh, yeah, like, that day was just insane, like. It was a bit, it was a weird one because I didn't know what was happening all day. So it was as if there was like an unwritten rule to just not tell Greg what was happening. Okay. Like no other riders, no marshals, no fans, anything said anything about you're doing well, you're not doing well, whatever. You just which, rode? Yeah, so I just rode. And like that, which was cool actually as well, like the competitors, like the guys riding around with me, they could have just said, you're winning, don't fuck it up. And, you know, that, that could just hand them the win. Yeah. my head might have gone or whatever. Um, but fair play to them, they didn't, you know, they knew, they knew what it would mean to me and all that, and again, we'd support each other. Um, and yeah, we were coming in to, we finished the last stage, and I knew nothing of the day. And my dad was like, yeah, so you were up by 14 seconds before the last stage. And I was like, what do you mean, up, up on who? Like, what, for 10th or what? And he's like, no, you're in the lead. No way. And I was just like, you are joking. And then, like, I, I had no idea, so I just charged out, like, I won the last stage, and I ended up winning by 17 seconds. And yeah, it was insane. Like rolling down into the finish field after that was just crazy. Like the emotion, everything. Because you know, in Ireland we're we're so passionate about sport and our own and everything. So to do it like in mountain biking, there's never no one's ever won a world level event. So for me to do it as an underdog, first year professional, at home, it was just insane. Like there was people crying everywhere. Yeah, very emotional. <laughs> well, you're you're the, still the only professional mountain biker from Ireland, and. 2015, you arrive as the underdog at home in Wicklow mm. and and win it. So, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, it just make the, the hair stand up yeah. on the back of your neck just just thinking about it. I think that's like a day like that is every kid's dream. Like if you're in any kind of sport, yeah. as a child, you're just dreaming of winning on the world stage, and you go through the perfect scenario in your head. And like that day was the perfect scenario. Like it actually happened. So. Well, it wasn't enough just to do it once then. You had to come back. <laughs> had to come back the following yeah, yeah, year yeah. and uh, do it again. But yeah. I'd say that's, for me looking at it, is probably as impressive as anything because then you've got the weight of the world mm. on your shoulders. So you said the year before, people, there wasn't any pressure there because probably everybody else was, was thinking, wow, if you could nab a top five, that would be amazing. But you're quietly confident, thinking, I got a sniff at the win. Mm. Suddenly, 12 months later, then uh, people will be coming up to you and saying, oh, yeah, I reckon you can win it again. That's a mm. different mentality to have. So the fact that you went out and uh, stepped up to the challenge, that shows that you're pretty mentally strong too. Mm. Yeah, it was quite, quite proud. I was definitely proud of that. Even the first time, you know, there was a lot of pressure on it. Um, but yeah, to come back and win, that was, yeah, that was hard. It was crazy how, like, in one year, how the vibe changed. Like, it went from, as you say, people saying, imagine you won, imagine you got top five, yeah. to, like, oh, yeah, Greg's going to win. It's a local race. He won by loads last year. He's going to win. And you're just like, oh, it's not that easy. Um, and it was. It was closer that year. Because, yeah, the levels just stepped up every year. And it was a real, it was a close-fought race. And, uh, yeah, like stood on the podium with Sam Hill and Richie Root. Like, two world champions, legends. Well, like, I grew up watching Sam Hill. So did Sam. Like, again, came to the finish. Didn't know much. Dad told me we were this much ahead of Sam. And I was like, Sam, Sam who? Because <laughs> that was Sam's, actually, his first enduro. 
Ah, because he's so raced like, across from downhill. The fact he was racing didn't really resonate, like didn't really register with me. And he was, I was like, Sam Hill, seriously, <laughs> like I'm racing him. And yeah, absolutely insane. And then even yeah, we came back a third year and I didn't win that one. I just had, I had a, an off day basically. Um, but I was racing as a series leader. I was the last man down the hill, number one in the world. Like it was, yeah, crazy again. Just the crowds. Like every year it was like. People came and watched it, supported it, and then went home and told their friends, and the friends came the next time, and then they told their friends. So every year, it just got bigger and bigger. And the last year was insane. Like, you could barely see the track. The crowds were that, that deep. It was mad. That's brilliant, and you've definitely done a lot for the sport when you say that. If you look 2015 <laughs> to 2017, with the mm. crowd um, just going more and more flocking in, then to see the Irishman uh, win, and then to go down the hill uh, as a, the leader. Number yeah. one in the world at that stage. Yeah. yeah, like you said, you've come from uh, <laughs> years before, yeah. living in your van, uh, yeah, going exactly. from bike yeah, to park to bike park. And yeah, it's cool. It's been cool to see the knock on effect from that event, like how mountain biking has taken off and the amount of people have gotten into biking. Like I remember I was out in Wicklow, riding a walking trail actually, and stopped to look at a view. And a guy came down walking, he was like, Oh, mountain biking, jeez, I love mountain biking. I went out and watched this event in Wicklow. And uh, some local fella won it, and it just inspired me to get on the bike. And 52 years of age, I took up mountain biking. And I was just like, no way. Uh, that fella was me, actually. And he just went, oh, my God. And he hugged me. Brilliant. <laughs> this man is 50, just hugged me. He's like, you, you introduced me to mountain biking. And he just he fell in love with the sport. And he said it's done so much positive things for his life, which is health and everything. And, yeah, it's crazy to, you know, think that riding a bike has turned into having that effect on people. Like, it's, it's mad. Yeah, you see a lot of people. I know guys that um, have taken up riding bikes in their 40s and you said even 52 years of age mm. and guys that were overweight and just knew going yeah. to the pub and then suddenly they, they get this and it is almost like an addiction isn't it once you ride a bike exactly. for the first time then uh, you get the bug yeah. and you feel part of something so uh, it's great back home now every time um, I go home and go to the, these bike parks you see so many guys um, and with having chain reaction cycles yeah. for us in Northern That's Ireland it. as well just down the road I often go there and it's so funny because I know there's a lot of men that probably after five o'clock they're supposed to go home to the wife yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. a lot of guys there they just go and walk around chain reaction cycle yeah, just yeah, yeah. to just have a look at the kit <laughs> uh, and uh, so yeah some people would say it's a midlife crisis of these guys but well, I, I think it's inspirational yeah. the fact that you can get to be 40 years of age and then take up a new hobby like that it just shows it's, it's never yeah. too late yeah exactly and again coming back to how accessible it is like anyone can do it and especially now even with e-bikes like my auntie uncle got e-bikes and they go out mountain biking and you know with that you can anyone can run one really once you can turn the pedal you're ready to go really. which is nice see I've never ridden uh, one of the e-bikes on the trails I like riding my, my white bike but I'm still uh, I'm still shit scared of clipping in <laughs> oh. I still uh, ride with flat pedals really? and oh, sneakers yeah. um, just when I had a teammate seven years ago and he was leading the championship and he was clipped in and he ended up going down and no. busting his shoulder so that always resonated in my head so ever since then I've just went in flats uh, pedals just because I, I feel safer with it um, yeah. even I must show you after we're chatting a video I have on my phone from uh, Super Morzine like a couple of years ago oh, we're out, yeah we went up there for a few days mountain biking mm. and it was mid-season too so I said I know what I'm like that <laughs> If I see something, I'm going to want to hit it. So what I did was I just went up and I rented an enduro bike. Dead. I brought a pair of Vans sneakers, <laughs> uh, a road cycling helmet and oh. no armor because I thought if I wear 
once I put armor on, like I've got an Alpine Stars uh, full body suit, mm-hmm. and once I put that thing on, I call it the roll cage. Yeah. I, feel, uh, I feel invincible. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave that thing at home. Yeah. So I just went and rented the bike. They gave me some elbow pads and um, some knee pads. And halfway through the day, sure enough, that didn't work. I'd forgotten that I hadn't got the kit on, and there's this big double jump at the end of Super Morzine, and I went at it. <laughs> I managed to clear it, but... It? Uh, it is, it's not the one under the lift, is it? Yeah. Yeah, they've nicknamed that the Widowmaker. Oh, no. <laughs> it was aptly named. Yeah. I was... Yeah. yeah, I must have been going 60 kilometers an hour down that hill, and all day I'd, I'd thought... Jump, yeah. it's, it's too big for me, but I was looking at it <laughs> thinking, I'm used to a motocross bike, and oh, I don't know what these boys are talking about. It's not that big, so I went down the hill, absolutely flying, trying to keep the speed up, because I thought... As I went up the jump that uh, the speed would go down it didn't so I had to dab the brakes on the way up oh. and then I almost went over the handlebars and everybody's uh, patting me in the back afterwards saying wow that was uh, that was big balls and that I was really angry with myself they couldn't understand why because I just realized I'd failed I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd set myself up with the task of not wearing any protective gear to put me off doing anything yeah. stupid half a day in there I am yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. Uh, doing something like that again but um yeah, next day has a little bit more calm, but yeah, uh, I tried. <laughs> it's cool that I hear that like you do stuff like that, like you ride other sports, and because there is a risk. Like so many people say to me, like if you ride motocross and stuff, like oh, are you allowed to do that? Like, is that not too risky of injury and all that? But you know, you got to keep it fun, don't you? And yeah. I'm sure maybe mountain biking benefits your riding in a way. You know, you're developing. Anytime you're on two wheels, I guess it's beneficial, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Anytime you're riding anything uh, on two wheels, I think there is a benefit from. Trials riding, it's slow speed technique, and what we spoke yeah. about at the beginning, how many like super bike racers get on a trials bike, and I mean, they're absolutely hopeless, because suddenly you've got, you're jumping from one rock to the next, and strangely, doing things at slow speed is harder, because it's, yeah, whenever you're going 200 miles per hour, things are happening slowly, because you've got time yeah. to sit and think, and okay, grab the brake now, go left, right, and you've got to ride a trials bike from one rock to the next, you've got to flip the gas, as soon as you land that rock, you've got to grab the clutch and the front brake and stop on the spot. Exactly, yeah. What happens to a superbike rider that's used to things ha- happening at high speed, yeah. you, you can't process that all well, together. That's the thing, it's like a different part of the brain, isn't it? Like yeah. I guess in superbike, you're probably riding subconsciously. Like you're not even thinking what you're doing, you're just doing it automatically. Whereas trials, you have to be very conscious about it and actually think, right, clutch, re-rake, front brake, blah, 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 where you're putting your weight on the bike. So it's, yeah, it's similar as two wheels, but it's actually so different. So, so different. But in um, enduro mountain bike, whenever I watch you guys hopping down the trails, it, it is so instinctive, isn't it? Because yeah. it, they do, uh, they'll mark out some tree routes and stuff. But whenever I'm watching by the the side of the track, I'm just thinking, how do you guys see that? It's so instinctive where yeah. you, you you just catch sight of something and you know just to lift the front wheel. Yeah. And that's uh, you know if I was to go down that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the mad thing as well. Like so, we do one practice run. We're only allowed one practice run. That's it. Um, so you might have ridden a track on a Thursday and then race on a Sunday or a Saturday. And you're like, you'd be coming over a blind crest or something. You're like, I'm pretty sure this is the one that's fine. And you get, you're like, let it fly over the crest. You're like, nope, this is the one with the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Before you know it, you're just in the trees. Like, and yeah, it's so much of it is instinctive because you can't, like, you could be doing an hour's worth of stages in a day or in a weekend. You're not going to remember every inch of that. So, you, you know, you remember the important stuff, but it's quite regular that. You know, you think you're going over a crest into a left and you're going into a right or whatever, so you need to really be on the ball and looking up. And, yeah. yeah, you can't learn it all. But the way, whenever I see you guys going down, that's where you've memorised every piece of the course. Mm. But with that, uh, you guys are... Um, <laughs> it's pretty brave, like you say, going over a blind crest. Is it, is it not? Yeah. 50-50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's the buzz from it as well. That's the adrenaline of, you know, 
put yourself in those situations and dealing with it and getting, getting the adrenaline up is cool. Uh, fitness so, level is uh, really important for you guys in enduro because that's the, the big difference between um, the downhillers. So like mm -hmm. we said before about Sam Hill, a uh, great career riding downhill years ago and switched across to enduro, which mm -hmm. personally I think uh, enduro is, is the best. Of, of both words, I love riding it myself mm. on flats because I don't have, <laughs> I'm not brave yeah. enough to, to clip in. Pedals, eh? um, but you guys have to have the fitness to, to ride between the stages. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's such a wide band of fitness that you need because you need to be able to ride eight hours a day, so you need endurance. But the stages are so like you can have two, three minute stages or 20 minute stages, so you need to have that snappy peak power. So you need to be a big strong guy to do well in the stages, but then if you're a big strong guy, you have to carry yourself around for the big day. So you're almost an endurance athlete. That's a sprinter. So yeah. it's definitely quite dynamic, but then at the same time, that keeps the training fun because you know, you're always doing a different training every day. It's, it, it's not very monotonous at all, really. Like it's, always, it's always varied, which is good. Uh, you guys are really great all round, even a uh, guy like Martin Mays. Last yeah. year, going and doing the final round yeah, of yeah, downhill, yeah. just switching across. Yeah. And uh, going to stop standing on top of the, the podium. Yeah, and then the next following week, I'm second world champs as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And that's, it's cool because it was always, when Enduro started, it was, there was a bit of a running joke that Enduro was for retired downhillers. And now that's kind of switching over where Enduro riders are maybe really good downhillers. So it could be that people go from Enduro to downhill. And there's been crossover in both ways. And I feel like the downhill guys who've come and done some Enduros have maybe improved their downhill because of it. Yeah. Because with the, the riding we do, you do so much different riding through the weekend. It's more technical, it's slower. You're riding a smaller bike, so there's less room for error. And then if you can transfer that back over to the downhill, it's, it's really good, really beneficial. I, I love watching uh, Red Bull TV, all the mountain biking uh, shows. And of course, mm. you're uh, mm. on track show this year. Mm -hmm. that's, that's been so cool to, to watch your episodes. That's where well, mountain biking really is ahead of the game with that stuff. I know so many of the guys from uh, MotoGP and Superbike or motocrossers, we all love watching that behind the, the scenes stuff. And that's yeah. a, a big part of why uh, we're doing this podcast as well, because mm -hmm. it, it's access to the little clips from OnTrack of you and your dad in the garage and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. going back to old clips, uh, old photographs and all the rest of uh, your yeah. dad back in the day whenever he used to trials ride. That's the stuff that people want to see. And yeah. it's, it's nice that, what's in its fifth season now, OnTrack? Yeah, season five, yeah. So it used to be Curtis Keane who's an American guy and then this year I've taken it over which is class because I used to like, I used to get excited about being in the background of the shop yeah. so now to have it as my own series has been amazing and it's so cool that you know the modern world everything, everything's at your fingertips you know like with podcasts and these web series and everything like if you want to know something about someone or you're really interested in something you can just find all the information the click of a button which yeah it's really cool and it's been cool being able to give people that insight into Enduro because there's so much that goes on in the sport away from racing and in the racing so it's cool to be able to document that and the guys boombox group who make the series they do such a good job of telling the story and yeah yeah it's been really really cool to do. and has your following increased uh, since that in terms of social media and all the rest yeah definitely yeah yeah um especially even since signing rebel two years ago like it's you know you see someone rebel hat you just assume they may be good at something so that kind of lures a few people in um and yeah, like especially when we went to America, I think because Rebel TV is quite big in America, so there's a lot of people coming up talking about the show. And stuff oh really? And yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's been class, and I think even like I've had a few messages and stuff of people who you know they probably have Chromecast and TV or something, so they just flick through Rebel TV and that'll pop up, and they'll just say like, oh, just stumbled upon your series, don't mind me, I'm and just watched all the episodes, absolutely love it. I'm now an Enduro fan. 
Oh, well, yeah, it is and a great way to get people into it. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, you could be on Rebel TV watching something about snowboarding or something, and then the suggested could be on track or, you know, Fast Life of Mike Rooney or one of them, and before you know it, you found a new sport to be yeah. a fan or even to do. And how's life back home now? You're still living in Dublin then? Uh, yeah. You said people are coming up to you the streets of uh, America yeah. and saying, we've been watching your TV show, but... Uh, I think uh, we both know in Ireland it's, it's great. People are a bit more easy going. It's like, Absolutely. oh, Greg, how, how did you get on the weekend? And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it might be one of those, yeah, I finished in the pudding. I couldn't mind yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you could, I could win a race, go home. And you just went, jeez, you didn't do too bad at the weekend. Did you? <laughs> you did all right, didn't you? Could have won by more. Like, it's, you know. Yeah, it's I, hard. I think it's hard for an Irish person to just come out and give a compliment. We're not very good at being a director in that way. No, exactly. Yeah. If you see somebody like Valentino Rossi, his hometown of Tivoglia in Italy, there'll be yeah. people queuing up outside his ranch to, to get a glimpse of him. Yeah, yeah. 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 So when he rode the bike through there. Recently, yeah. Didn't he? Yeah, the following that he has is, is crazy, whereas if uh, if there was an Irish Valentino Rossi, he could yeah. just walk down to the bakery and just grab yeah. himself a, a loaf of bread yeah, and be, yeah. well done on the weekend, Valley. Yeah. <laughs> good man yourself. That should be Joey Dunlap. Yeah. Probably couldn't be any further, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, and that's why uh, people in Ireland did really warm to a character like Joey Dunlop because they, that's Irish are very different in that way. They don't like somebody that's in your face. They just like somebody that's going about their doing their job well. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. I think that's the the Irish approach. Yeah. But no, I've I've really enjoyed watching the the on track. It's given me a, a good insight into uh, you and your dad's relationship. So mm. that's going to be put to the test in the next week. You're um, <laughs> got a big week. Oh. Training ahead of you, ahead of this uh, Scott trial. So yeah. it's mad because like, you finish the season and you're like, ah, oh, I can relax now and I'll just drop this in on myself. I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> Do you try and ride together in this uh, Scott or is it just every man for himself? Well, that's the fun, yeah, that's a good question. So it's a staggered start, uh, or well, I don't know what you'd call it, but you start one rider at a time and it's handicapped, so it's slowest, first, fastest, or best, last. So like, Dougie Lampard or someone might be last. And like the first year we did it, he was like 15 numbers ahead of me or something. And I, like my bike stopped, I like was on the side of the mountain, I put my car in my hands, cleaning it. <laughs> and I got a puncture, a snap my chain, loads of problems. And my goal for the day was, well, obviously to finish, but to pass him. Like, you know, we're, you know, there's obviously a bit of crack between us. So he'd be like, right, yeah, I'll see you at the second section there. I'll be going past you then. Just, you know, make sure you're not in the way. And I felt about 20 minutes from the finish, like kind of the point where you're like, oh, we're on the way back. Like I was like, well, we're doing it here. We're going to finish. And go flat out across the field, and there was a lad bent down putting his chain on. They stopped and was like, Yeah, all right. And he turned around, and it was, he just went, Yeah. And then I was like, My dad, and he double looked at me. And I looked at him, and I was like, Oh, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Once I saw it was him, I was like, Gone. And he, like, I could see him starting to panic. So then he got on and was chasing me down, and thankfully finished ahead of him. You just give his bike a kick over to make sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And then, yeah, the last year we did it. About five minutes in, got to the first river, you cross a lot of fields and you come to the first river. Five minutes into a seven and a half hour day, there's my dad. Helmet off, kid off, bike on its side, full of water, dropped into the river. And that was the end of his day. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I think again, he'll be just ahead of me this year. So, yeah, definitely a bit of motivation. Dangling the cart in front of me, you know, trying to catch him. <laughs> oh, one of these days I might join you. I have to get myself uh, riding my trials bike a bit more to get up to your level, but... Yeah, we'll uh, give her a go. Like it's yeah, it's a, and like you can go do it if you know you don't finish, you just see how far you get. And it's a good experience because you kind of push yourself a lot to do it. And yeah, it's, it's nice to have a goal like that, especially something I find anyway. Maybe the same something outside of racing. Yeah, that it's a goal that keeps you focused, but it's not it's not work. You know, it's just for fun. So yeah. Well, after that's done, then it'll be time for your off season then, and uh, look ahead the next year. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to to watching. Uh, 
in Enduro next year. Um, hopefully, uh, get to one of the rounds. I'll have to have a look at the calendar and. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If you ever new one, does it? Definitely, but it'd be nice to get one back in Ireland again one day. That will be uh, something hopefully. special. Hopefully someday, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much for for uh, meeting me here. Uh, enjoy your your off season now, and yeah. let me know how you get on at the Scott. Yeah, we'll of course. Yeah, and best luck to you for the rest of your season. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Cheers.